Alright, let's stand please with reverence for God and His Holy Word. Matthew chapter 8. I'm going, to read a I'm going to read an extended portion of this scripture. And I know this may be a little unusual, but you guys, the most important thing you're going to hear from me today is this living Word of God. When He had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed Him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped Him, saying, Lord, if You are willing, You can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. <laughs> The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. So another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, the many will come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that very same hour. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever so he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. Skip ahead with me, please. Go all the way down to verse 23. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and they were, there was a great calm. So that the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and the seas obey him? When he had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them, there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So when they had come out, they went into a herd of swine, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea, and they perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled, and they went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pegged him to depart from their region. So he got into a boat, crossed over, and he came to his own city. And behold, when they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Would you please be seated?
last few weeks that I've been with you during this particular uh, season, I've been trying to preach messages to you from the book of Matthew. And you remember that the book of Matthew is about one thing, it's presenting Jesus as the rightful king. Not only the rightful king of the Jews, but he's the rightful king of the universe. And you remember we started with Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth, he is establishing that he is the rightful king. I've used this illustration with you every single time. But you remember the, you remember the legend of King Arthur, and how that in ancient Camelot, at least by legend, that uh, in order to show himself to be the rightful king, there had been a sword that had been placed into a stone. I still kind of imagine it as being a huge natural boulder, and the, the sword is placed in it, and everyone was trying to move that so that they could establish themselves as the rightful king. So you had some of the mightiest men coming just by their sheer force, trying to pull it, but no one was able to move it by sheer force. And some of the scientific guys, the, the nerdy type, they had come and established levers and, and pulleys and tried to, but nothing was able to move that sword. And so there are other people who used to try to use black magic and they would try to come, for, for instance, the magician uh, Merlin would try to move it by some sort of spiritual power. No one was able to move it until a small orphan boy came and grabbed the, hold of the handle by chance. And when he leaned it back, that sword came right out and demonstrated this is not just a little orphan boy. This is the rightful king of Camelot. He established his authority as the rightful king. Now that is the stuff of legend. That's a great story. But what, when it comes to the book of Matthew, we're not talking about legends. We're talking about the reality that Jesus is the rightful king. And he demonstrates that not by pulling a sword out of the stone, but by so many other things that establish his authority. His authority was established in his genealogy by the family and the heritage that he had come from. Uh, his authority was established in his birth, the supernatural birth by which he was born of a virgin and he became the Savior who saved people from their sin, fulfilling all of Scripture. Jesus was authoritative in the words that he spoke when he gave the Sermon on the Mount and came to the conclusion everyone was amazed. He said, who is this man? He doesn't teach us like the scribes and the Pharisees. He teaches as if he has authority. And he did have authority. See, he was authoritative not only in the words that he spoke, but he was authoritative in the works that he performed. The passage of Scripture that I read before you has probably become my favorite part of the book of Matthew. Now, Matthew, from get to go, it's outstanding. I just love seeing the authority of Jesus and recognizing who he is in that book, seeing that he is the rightful king of the Jews as the son of David and the son of Abraham, but he's the rightful king of the universe. And, and I come to this passage and I realize, all right, this passage is definitely establishing his authority. You hear the word over and over again. When it says, the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins, that's the word authority. That Jesus can forgive sins because he's the rightful king of the universe. He forgives sins. When, when the centurion said, hey, wait, I understand authority. You don't have to come into my house and defile yourself, you being a good Jew and me being a Gentile. I don't want you to defile yourself or, or put you into some sort of difficult spot, Jesus, if you just speak the word. You see, I understand authority. And when I tell a servant, go, he goes, and come, he comes. And if I tell a servant to do something, he obeys me. And the reason he obeys me is because I understand authority. And Jesus, 
I know that you have the authority. People, Jesus had authority even over the wind and the waves, that they even obeyed him, right? But what I love about this chapter is it's not just establishing the authority of Jesus. It's also telling us something about the, the wonderful nature, some of the wonderful character of who Jesus is. And today, I want to remind you not only about the authority of Jesus, but I want to offer all of us some great hope as to what this kind of king is really like and what he does. See, these two chapters are broken up into a series of three miracles. Three miracles that are cited and then some teaching about discipleship. And then three more miracles followed by some teaching about discipleship. And then three more miracles. Well, these three different sets of miracles are telling us something about Jesus. And, for instance, beginning with chapter 8, he tells us that this authoritative king, Jesus, is the one who gives grace to the outcast. To say that he gives great grace to the outcast, he gives us three different people that were considered by that culture to be untouchables. The first untouchable was a leper. Well, if you had leprosy in that ancient day, you were considered to, to be contagious. I mean, this is far, far worse than testing positive for COVID, people. <laughs> this is far worse than having some sort of COVID protocol on your phone by which you get tested positive, and now they're going to tell everyone that you had come in, into contact with by your phone that you have COVID. No, no. In this ancient day, there was such an awful infection that the, the blood and the rottenness of the flesh, and it was just an awful disease, and it was such an awful disease that anyone who is diagnosed with leprosy will be cast out of their family, separated from their community, isolated in a leper colony. They were truly untouchables. To be untouchables mean no one came to them, but a leper, an outcast, approached Jesus. When that leper approached Jesus, he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me whole. You can cleanse me. You can heal me from this disease. And here's what's amazing to me about Jesus. When Jesus heard this story, he didn't just get filled with compassion. He, did, he wasn't just moved with a desire to help the person. But here's what it said. Are you ready? Jesus touched him. So Jesus is willing to reach out to someone that no one else would touch or associate with. Jesus touched him because Jesus was ministering grace to the outcast. When everyone else rejected, Jesus would come and touch. And he certainly healed but even more than the healing is the, is, the, is the compassion, the empathy, the closeness by which he would touch. I'm so blessed by the songs that you selected today. Uh, Jeanette, I, don't, I think it was Jeanette who selected them. But for her to start with how great God is, that he's so big, powerful, moves mountains, and then come to say, but he's also a good father. You see, that means that he's not afraid to touch or be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. And when Jesus comes to an outcast leper, it gives me hope and it gives this community hope that Jesus isn't just looking for the healthy and the wealthy and the productive and the people that a king would normally surround himself. No, Jesus ministered grace to the outcast. He was the only outcast. The second miracle was a centurion. I already talked about a centurion. He may have been big and powerful, but he's living in Israel. And as a Jew, he was an outcast. No one's going to have this guy come over for dinner. As a matter of fact, they're not even going to be seen in kind of fellowship with him. You see, he was an outcast by Jewish standards. Uh, Jewish tradition, I mean, Jewish tradition all, always had some real attitude. They even prayed prayers like this. 
They would pray prayers that said, God, I thank you that I'm a man and not a woman. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is just what their culture was. And I thank you that I am a Jew and not a Gentile. You see, for them to come, they, they were treating Gentiles as outcasts. Nobody would be with them. But when this man came to Jesus with a request, Jesus was so amazed by the faith that he demonstrated that Jesus was willing to go to his house. You see, this is grace. Jesus wasn't worried about his reputation. He didn't care what people thought of it. As a matter of fact, many times people would come and they would say, who is this guy, this Jesus? He teaches one way, but he's the, he's the friend of tax collectors and sinners. Why is he going in? He's eating with people like prostitutes and Gentiles because Jesus was never concerned about reputation. He was never concerned about stigma. Jesus ministered grace to the outcasts. You know why I find that hopeful? Because I'm a Gentile, because I'm an outcast, because I'm someone that wouldn't have any kind of acceptance in any other normal circumstances, but Jesus came to minister grace to people like me. And maybe if you're feeling an outcast, maybe you're feeling alone, maybe you're feeling isolated or rejected by a community, maybe you need to know that there is a Savior, Jesus, who comes to outcasts. The third outcast makes more sense to me. <laughs> it's not just a woman, it's a mother-in-law, all right? No, no offense to mothers-in-law, but <laughs> he comes to a mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, finds out that she has a fever that's going on, and Jesus comes and ministers to her. Once again, people, Jesus didn't ignore women or Gentiles or lepers. No, he saw them, he cared for them, and when everyone else rejected them, he ministered grace. Hallelujah, what a Savior. The second set of miracles demonstrate that he not only ministers grace to the outcasts, but he also ministers, are you ready for this? Peace to the disturbed. Peace to the disturbed, I'm going to talk about some people who have been disturbed by a physical storm. It was his disciples that got on a boat and were traveling across the sea. And during that journey, while Jesus was sleeping, uh, a storm arose. And such a storm that these professional fishermen were fearing for their life. You see, they've been out on that sea before. They've been out in the middle of a storm. But this is, a, this is a Hurricane Ian type of storm. And when this physical storm came and they were fearing for their life, they awoke Jesus and said, Lord, we're going to perish. Don't you even care? And you remember Jesus not being upset in any way. He arose and it says that he rebuked the wind and the waves. You know what he, he said to rebuke them? It's as easy as this. Peace be still. When Jesus said, peace be still, he came to people in unbelievably troubling physical circumstances, and he brought peace to that whole situation. You see, the miracle that I'm talking about is the kind of peace that comes, because often we think about a storm, and now the storm, storm abates, and there's still waves that are flowing. No, I believe that when Jesus said, peace be still, there were no fluttering waves. I believe it was perfectly calm. No more wind, no more storm, no more, no more waves. Total peace in those physical circumstances, which reminds me that no matter the physical troubles that I'm in, and by the way, there are many. I mean, I'm in the same boat you are. I'm having to pay exorbitant prices for gas. I can't even believe, I mean, it's getting totally depressing to go to the shopping uh, mall anymore. Does anybody recognize that? And if you try to buy a Five Guys burger, oh my goodness, you have to take out a mortgage on your house to buy a Five Guys burger nowadays. <laughs> it seems like it's a little bit ridiculous, but I'm in the same boat that we are, and I'm telling you, man, that can disturb some of our peace. The circumstances around us, 
And I'm not even talking about some of you people who have been praying for month after month for rain. I mean, you depend on some circumstances that can be really difficult, really challenging. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that Jesus sees all those things. Yeah. His disciples are just asking him a question. Don't you care that we're perishing? And here's the answer. Yes, he does see. He cares. He knows what's going on. And he is able to bring peace into your troubled situation. But it's not just physical storms. The next peace that he brought came into a spiritual storm. He got onto the other side of that storm and he met two men who'd been oppressed by demons. To be oppressed by demons mean, meant that in our vernacular, we're talking about people who are struggling with some real mental health problems. What kind of mental health problem? Number one, isolation. They had been rejected by their community after all. I mean, these are demon-possessed people who are out of their mind. They had been rejected to where they have to go live somewhere else, and they were completely isolated. In the last three years, Pastor Nathan, you know of any people who have been isolated? Uh, people who have been suffering in a hospital all by themselves. No one was allowed to go in and spend time with them. A lot of people who are in nursing homes who haven't even seen their loved ones for a long period of time because of some of this, excuse me, letting my opinion be known, some of this nonsense that has been imposed upon them. I think it's unconscionable, Jeff, that we leave people isolated in that way. But you know what? They're not the first people that have faced the disturbance right. of isolation. Right. Here are these people out in these New Testament times. They're isolated, away from their families, away from their communities. But here's something else that gives me a little bit of hint of what either mental health or, let me put it this way, spiritual disturbance does to people. These people soon became obsessed with death. Uh, the Bible tells us in other places that they were so troubled that they were cutting themselves with stones. You've heard me address this before. But right now we're living in a day in which I never thought that demon possession, like what he's talking about here, I always thought, oh, that's like a, that's a Bible thing. We don't experience that in our day. Wait a second. Do you know of anyone that has so much emotional trauma that's going on in their life that it's easier for them to cut themselves and release a little bit of physical pain rather than have to deal with that emotional trauma, that spiritual storm that's troubling them? Cutting and self-harm is becoming very, very common in our culture. And beyond that, we also start talking about people who are, they start becoming obsessed with death. Oh, man, could you, this guy could have lived wherever he wanted. He could have gone and lived in some cave in the wilderness. He could have gone and lived under a tree somewhere. But he chooses to live in a cemetery? Something's wrong with that. And if you start thinking about it, being just consumed with death, I'm like, man, that sounds like a, a Bible thing. What I used to think was a Bible thing, I'm telling you, is the case of people who are spiritually disturbed in our world. Why is it that every video game has to be about... <laughs> dead people walking? Why is it that every television show has to be obsessed with, uh, with death? Why is it that every movie? Why is it that we have such obsession with these things? And then not only do we have an obsession with that, but right now we are having a pandemic of suicide. You remember when the devil comes in and he starts oppressing people, here's what I want you to remember. The devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he doesn't care how he does it. He, he just wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. And right now, I believe with all my heart that what we got going as far as all this suicidal ideation that is filling our culture, right now, it's up to about 27 veterans a day that are committing suicide in our country. A lot of them are right here in our community. 
our youth are having ideas of suicide. And you, you know something? That's not just because circumstances are bad. That's because there's a spiritual war where the devil is doing everything he can to drive people to suicide. People, I, I need you to hear from me today that if you have even been tormented with some thoughts recently of ending your own life, I want you to hear that you're not alone. We are here. We care for you. We love you. And because we hear you, because we see you, because we're with you, we're just going to offer you that there's some hope. Remember, there was a guy in the book of Acts who had an idea of killing himself. He'd been a jailer in a Philippian jail. And when all the circumstances turned against him, he thought everyone had left. He pulled out his sword and was ready to kill himself. And Jeff, do you remember what, Pete, what Peter said to him? Here's an unbelievable, beautiful word. Maybe it's Paul. It's Paul and Silas. Paul says to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself. We are all here. People, we're here. And if you've been struggling with those thoughts, I don't want you to start thinking that somehow you're alone and that you're going to receive condemnation. I just want you to know that when you are mentally oppressed, when you're spiritually disturbed, when there are storms in your life like what these guys are facing, there is a Savior, Jesus, who can come and not just say, peace be still to the wind and the waves, but Jesus can come and He can command all of those oppressors to leave you alone. Amen. Matter of fact, I kind of want to say that right now. Some of those oppressors that are right now bringing you all kinds of deceptive and destructive thoughts. I wanted to tell you, you have no place in this room. You have no place in this guy's heart or this woman's soul. You have no place here and in the name of Jesus, you are commanded, go. All of your lives, all of your disturbance, leave. And when people came back and found these people who had been mentally and spiritually disturbed, when Jesus came into their life, you know what? They were seated and in their right mind, and they had been completely delivered because Jesus gives peace to the disturbed. Look, I don't care what culture you're from, you've got to say amen to that. <laughs> Jesus brings peace to the disturbed. And it's not only physical disturbance, or, uh, it's not even only just a spiritual storm. You know the guy who might have been most disturbed and most need of peace in this whole story was a paralytic we had to have four friends who would bring him to Jesus, seeking healing. But what he needed was not just healing. He needed peace. You see, they brought him up on a house where Jesus had been. The whole house is filled. By the way, of course it's filled. Everyone just heard, wait. He speaks to the wind and the wave, they obey him. He heals people from a distance. He's raising up the dead. Everyone was clamoring around Jesus. He just gets some sort of touch of him. But here, they couldn't get their friend into the house. So they went up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof, which... Man, that would have got me a little bit upset if someone cut a hole in the roof of my house. But these guys were not going to be taken away. They, they lower their friend down to Jesus. And when Jesus saw this paralytic, out of all the odd things, he said, he didn't say, rise, take up your bed. He didn't say, I heal you. He said this, son, your sins are forgiven you. Do you know what disturbs us far more than physical storms, even spiritual oppression or mental health? You know what really troubles people today? Sin. Right. All kinds of sin. Addiction, sin. Just failure, sin. Disappointment, sin. But when we're enslaved to sin, and here's, here's the truth, we're all enslaved to sin. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who does good. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need a, a spiritual peace in our soul. 
Here's how the Bible describes it. Here's what we really need. Is that our sins have separated between us and God. His, his face is hidden from us so He can't even look upon our, our sins. Why? Because His eyes are so pure that He can't even look upon sin. So our ultimate disturbance is not just our physical condition or even our mental health condition or spiritual. It's our relationship with God that has been completely disturbed. And we need peace with God. Do you know that peace with God will never come through membership at a church? Say that. That's good. Peace with God will never come through a ritual that you follow in a religion. Peace with God will never come by turning over a new leaf. Tell, promising yourself, I'm going to quit that addiction. I'm going to quit living that life. I'm going to quit having this kind of attraction. Peace with God will never come through your rules, your regulation, your rehabilitation. Is anyone tracking with me now? Peace with God is only found in one place. It's found in Jesus. Amen. The one who brings peace to our physical storm. The one who brings peace to our spiritual and mental anguish. But he also brings peace to our sinful souls. And when Jesus turned and he said, just so all of you know, there's only one person who can bring peace, peace with God. Son, take up your bed and walk because the same one who just healed you is the one who is able to forgive. He has authority to forgive sins. And let me tell you, there's no one else in the world that has the authority to forgive sins. Right. Some of you are sitting here saying, man, Jeff, what church should I go to? What religion should I follow? I mean, all these religions can be really difficult. Let me make it easy for you. There is no other religion that can offer forgiveness through a Savior. Jesus is the only way. For all you young people, all of you that are young, younger than 18, look up here right in my eyes. All of you kids that are here, you get real confused because nowadays you can get on the computer or you can get on your phone and you can ask questions about Islam or Hinduism or this religion or that religion. And you can get confused because you say, well, man, all these religions are the same. Listen, there's only one thing, one truth that is different than all the world's religions. All the world's religions tell you how to try to clean yourself up and follow this religion and act in this practice. There's only one name under heaven that's given among men by which we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask some of you grandparents to say amen and help me with these kids here right now. Because these kids need to know that there's something unique about Jesus. And it's not just another church, another religion, another option. That a bunch of different ways all lead to the same heaven. No, no. There's only one way to find peace to your spiritually disturbed soul. And that is through Jesus Christ who has the authority to forgive your sins. Hallelujah. And if you will come to the Lord Jesus, then you can find peace. Not only physical peace, not only spiritual peace, but soul peace. Jesus ministers peace to the disturbed. He ministers grace to the outcast. I didn't read these ones. They're continuing in chapter 9. But Jesus also brings restoration to the broken. Yeah. By the restoration of the broken, here's what I mean. There's three different brokenness. And I'm going to summarize them. There are two blind men who came to Jesus and said, Hey, Son of David, have mercy upon us and heal us. Two blind men. Their sight was broken. Jesus healed them immediately. Uh, there's another broken Brokenness. There was, there was a father who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter's really sick. As a matter of fact, she's to the point of death. But if you would come, you'd raise her. I mean, you talk about broken. You don't get any more broken than dead. But I don't think the brokenness was just the girl that had been sick. I think the real brokenness was the father who came and said, man, I don't have the answers for the, my daughter. 
I don't have the solutions for her. And Jesus, I need you to come and bring some healing. And sure enough, Jesus came and brought restoration to the broken. He raised this girl up even when everyone else was mocking him because Jesus just is willing to restore that which is broken. But here's my last story, and I want to really emphasize this one. While Jesus was on his way, coming from where he had been, to go to the house where the girl had been sick, there's another broken woman who came to him. Don't have a name for her. All we know is that she had an issue of blood. To have an issue of blood means that physically something was going on with her. I mean, ladies, can you imagine? Continual bleeding for, for I think, 12 years, I think, is what I remember hearing. She spent all of her money with all the doctors, and no one had any answers for her. I mean, she'd given all of her money away. And in that culture, if you have that kind of uncleanness, that's what they considered it, an uncleanness, this issue of blood, you weren't allowed to go to the temple, you weren't allowed to socialize with people. Again, you were an outcast, you didn't have any peace, but even more than all that, she was just broken. She was broken because her body wasn't functioning the way that it intended to, but she was also broken because she looked for every other answer and nobody had any answers for her. So when she didn't have any answers, she just snuck into a crowd of people that were coming around Jesus. And when she snuck into this crowd, she was just thinking in herself, look, I don't, want, I don't want any attention. Last thing I want is someone to recognize me. I don't want anybody to call me out. All I want, I just want to, if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just hide in the crowd and just reach out and touch, maybe if I touch him, I'll be healed. And you know what? When Jesus came through and when she touched the hem of his garment, she was immediately made well. Yeah. But here's what's amazing. Jesus turned around and he noticed her. Jesus turned around and he looked at the lady and he even asked the question, Who is it that just touched me? His disciples were like, What do you mean, who touched you? The whole crowd is touching you. Everyone's pressing in on you. You got all these demands on you. Jesus, what? No, no. Someone touched me differently. It was just a little swipe. It was just a little touch, of, a brush of my clothing. But Jesus noticed, and he turned to her, and he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Because, friends, it doesn't take touching his feet. It doesn't take grabbing a hold of him. It doesn't take mountain-moving faith to have your brokenness healed by Jesus. It takes just a little swipe at him, just a little bit of faith, enough of faith to say, man, in my brokenness, I need someone who's able to make me well. Yeah, yeah. Today, maybe you just need to take a little swipe at Jesus. Maybe just a little bit of a swipe that says, you know what, I don't need to be noticed, I don't need to be made fun of, I don't need to be embarrassed by anything. I just need to sweep enough and, and touch him and say, Jesus, I'm broken, and in my brokenness, you're the only one who has answers for me. Friends, here's what I want you to know about this book of Matthew. Jesus is the rightful king. But he's not a king that's so big and removed and sitting upon a throne that he doesn't see or care for you. When you're feeling like the outcast, and there's no doubt that there's someone here today who's feeling the part of the outcast, I want you to know that Jesus graciously receives you. When you're feeling disturbed by whatever else is going on, Jesus brings peace. Peace that surpasses understanding to you. And when we are at the end of ourselves, totally broken with no other solutions, if you just reach out, you just reach out and touch Him, then Jesus is the one who brings restoration to the broken. Would you be willing to come to that Jesus and with faith believe in Him, reach out to Him, trust in Him, and let Him do in your life what no one else can do? Let's bow together, please, and let's pray. Because, Lord...
Lord, I really believe that, uh, that you're touching some hearts today and that there's some people who have been feeling pretty, pretty uh, rejected. They feel like outcasts. They feel like no one else in the world sees or cares or knows about them. And Lord, I'm praying that someone who feels the outcast today, that they would come and realize, whoa, there is a King, Jesus, who graciously cares for me, and He accepts me, and He loves me. And Lord, I pray that they would come to You, and that You would minister grace to them. I also really know that there are people who are troubled today. I'm one of them. Man, there's troubles around us. Physical troubles, relationship troubles, family troubles. There's, a, there's mental health troubles. I'm guessing, Lord, for someone today who's really been having some thoughts coming to the end and hopeless, Lord, would you please give them some peace today? Would you just deliver them and give them peace? Would you speak peace be still into their life? And then, Lord, how about some people who are just broken? They're at the end of themselves and really facing, facing some maybe financial brokenness, maybe some health brokenness. Lord, today, would you let people who are broken come to you and find the restoration that you bring and you, you bring healing because you see us and you care for us. And Lord, right now, affirm to people sitting here in this place that you see them, that you care for them, that you're ministering to them. Would you take a look up here for me just before we... We're going to close with this song. I'm not going to give a public invitation of people coming forward or doing a prayer up here. Mm. But I... But I know God's touched your heart today. I just know it. I know that He's been speaking in your life. And I want you, while this song is being played, I want you to respond with some faith to Him. I want you to respond and cry out and say, Lord, I need that peace. I need that grace. I need that restoration. I, I need you. And uh, let's just respond very deeply, very personally to Him. You guys, please lead us and close it out. Mm -hmm.